Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today on an all-new Dr. Phil. I just want my babies back. The dramatic search for two sisters abducted by their father. Now wanted by the FBI. Michael would tell me I would never see him again. Be there when Dr. Phil goes inside the religious group. Let's proceed with caution. That may be hiding them. Well, hello. Sheriff's Department. He's not here. Let me talk to Michael. He unlawfully has these girls. There are only so many things that I can't do. What he's done is wrong. You know where Michael is. Coming up. Let's do it. I want you to get excited about your life. Here we go. If you're going to talk to me, you're going to have to be honest. Stand by, Dr. Phil. Showtime. This is going to be a changing day in your life. Stand by, A, and roll A. Check in. Go, Dr. Phil. As all of you know, this year I am making it one of my missions to shine a light on missing children, to search everywhere and do whatever it takes to try to keep the children safe. When children are abducted, they are sometimes taken by strangers, as in the case of Elizabeth Smart or Samantha Runyon. But more often, it's a parent who snatches them, sometimes with terrifying results. Today, we're taking you inside the world of what some critics call a cult, while others refer to it as simple way of life. It's a story of child abduction by a father, now a fugitive of the law, who is living on the run with his two young daughters. Their mother, Michelle, is desperate to find them. Take a look. My daughters were abducted by their father, my ex-husband, Michael, on March 28, 2005. We've all thought it would get better, but now we need to face up in a bit. We probably haven't underestimated him and what Michael is really capable of. I'm so scared. I want to see him again. Michael would get angry if he didn't think I was living up to the expectations of a wife. In his eyes, I could never do anything right. He would point a finger at me like he was going to poke it in my eye and just do it over and over and over, and I would beg him to stop. Michael teased my daughters, too. He would hold them upside down when they were infants, ask them to hug him, and if they refused him, he would threaten to spank them. He then started to pursue his religious calling to a purer way of life. We moved into a 1969 trailer in the woods in a very small community. We had no running water, electricity, or indoor plumbing. Our toilet was a five-gallon bucket with a toilet lid. He read Bible verses, and we sang hymns at certain times of the day. Michael became friends with a man that was part of the Worldwide Church of God. The Worldwide Church of God has some very radical beliefs on the Bible. Michael started buying a lot of guns and rifles. His friend 
told both Mike and I that he could help us disappear from society if we needed to. Michael would threaten to take our daughters and go into the underground, tell me I would never see him again. I didn't want to lose my babies. Michael came across the old German Baptist church on the internet. I attended one service with Michael. This was not like any church I had ever been in. I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't continue this roller coaster. So I came back to the area I grew up in, I got a job, and I got a divorce. Michael and I went through a custody evaluation, and the psychologist in charge found it for Michael. When the girls went to live with Michael, he made them dress in long skirts with long sleeve blouses or in long dresses. He refused to put them in public school. He put them in Christian school setting. The girls missed a lot of school. Michael would claim it was because they had become ill, but the girls later let me know a lot of the times it was because they couldn't wake him up to take them to school. When Molly turned 13, she decided to join Michael's church. Molly began to dress in their uniform and looked like everybody else. My daughter wouldn't visit me. After three months of not seeing my daughter, I demanded regular visitation. After Molly started coming back, my daughters started to confide in me that they were terrified of their father. They would tell me things he said, and in the back of my mind, it clicked. He was beginning to use the same emotional abuse on them that he had used on me. I sued for emergency custody of my daughters. On Friday, he was supposed to bring the girls early. He called me at 7 o'clock and told me that they were running late. That was the last time I ever talked to him. This ordeal has been very traumatic for all of us in our family. We hope and pray every holiday, every birthday, that we're going to hear from those girls. It's going to be okay. Now Michael is a federal fugitive of the law, and he faces child abduction charges, which could result in a five-year prison sentence. We believe he may be hiding at a religious colony run by a group called the Hutterites. There's an empty spot in my heart. I want to see him and hold him again. I just want my babies back. Well, it's difficult to watch. I know, because you miss these children terribly. And you had no indication that he was going to take them and run. No, I didn't. Look, there is nothing that I am going to say that is going to suggest that what he has done is acceptable, okay, legal, rational, anything of the sort. Abducting those children, taking them away from their mother is wrong, wrong, wrong. In fairness, I have to ask you some questions. Um, the custody court, the family court, is often referred to as the woman's court. And for the court to, to award custody to Michael over you is a bold move. Tell me what your explanation of that is. My husband brought up things about my past, things that had happened before we, were even, we even met. I had some difficulty with depression, which I am now being treated for, and I had two suicide attempts in my lifetime. And so he brought those up, and they decided he might be the more stable parent. You were evaluated by the court-appointed professionals. Right. And they indicated and opined that you had evidence psychotic behavior, 
uh, in the past, that you had heard demons and voices uh, in the past, and that you acknowledged that, correct? In the past, not certainly they not now. They had that in the report, but I, it was never asked of me. Okay, it's is what it, he said. Okay, is it true or is it false? It's false. It was also reported that you had crashed 11 cars in 10 years, mm -hmm. that you had had uh, 19 jobs uh, in, a, in a very compact uh, period of time. Is that true? I did have a few car wrecks. Um, it wasn't the number of 10. I had six of them in a 10-year span. As far as the jobs, they went back to 1986 for my job history, and that is why, yeah, I probably have had about 19 jobs from 86 to the time I left my ex-husband in 2000. The, the report also indicated that they found no corroboration of your allegations that there had been bruises on the children from Michael's beating them, that they, they did not sustain the allegations of sexual molestation that you had leveled against him, that the kids did not corroborate that they were cold and uh, uncomfortable in the home that he had them in. And in fact, they thought that you were practicing parental alienation by trying to advance those criticisms against your husband. Uh, is that true or false? My oldest daughter, Molly, when she was about four, make a statement that her father put bullets in her bottom that, ups, you know, that made me very uneasy. So I went to our Department of Children and Family Services and I said, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but you guys are the professionals. Please help me sort this out. And things went from there. Well, here's what I think and know at this point. Um, you're currently in treatment. Yes. You have a therapist, a licensed social worker, mm -hmm. and a psychiatrist. Yes. You know we have been in contact with mm -hmm. both. They said they wholeheartedly supported you being here and participating in the show. And they also said that you are living responsibly, you are taking all of your medication, they consider you to be stable at this point, and that you're doing a sincere and good job of managing yourself and your situation such that you would receive these children back with a clear eye and a clear mind and a clear heart. Mm -hmm. So I want to make that very obvious, but I, I don't want to soft pedal any of this. No. What he's done is wrong, and I suppose it's for the court to decide, others to decide, what's in the best interest of these children, but abducting them and taking them anywhere into this religious sect or, or whatever is absolutely inappropriate. Okay, now, uh, former FBI private investigator Hale Copas got on this case right away. Let's take a look at how all this is starting to unfold. I have called Michelle. I'm going over. I will speak with her. I'm hoping to get information about Mike and this church that he has joined. If he were hiding, it very well could be with that group. I'm Harold. Hi, I'm Michelle. The best thing you could do is just tell me the story. Mike was a member of the Old Order German Baptist Church. Once the German Baptists became aware that he had taken off with the girls, they told him he was no longer allowed at the church. I need the best picture you have of Mike. The photo of him as a German Baptist is actually a mugshot. He was arrested. He had a gun with him for some reason. Probably was hunting. You know, they do believe in hunting. 
so they're passive, non-violent, but have weapons. Some of them do, yes. I do know for a fact he will go to extreme lengths to make his point. Is Mike anti-government? Yes, Mike is very anti-government. He had a huge gun collection. He made this rifle that shot elephant bullets out of it. Tell me about the last sighting of Mike. The last possible sighting was two or three weeks ago up around DeKalb, Illinois. They just saw someone that was fitting Mike's description with two young girls. Well, we're on day two of the investigation. I'm going into the Ford County uh, Sheriff's Department. I'm going to meet with Lieutenant Duffy and see what we can do to locate these children. Well, the lieutenant has agreed to take me out to where Michael Harry and his girls were living just prior to Michael's abduction of his daughters. This is where they lived until they took off. And what he did is apparently got some of his church buddies and they donated bales of hay and he took this mud or insulation and put it on the outside. And I assume it's on the inside too to hold down the dust and the mites and everything else. And this is where they lived. Does this have running water? Yeah. How about electricity? No electricity. Toilet? Outhouse. Outhouse. My gosh, that is truly, a, you know, with a box of tissue and toilet paper. I mean, that's, that's pretty strong. I think we have to use a lot of caution with this guy. Up next, the search continues as Harold heads to the 1,500-acre compound where Michael may be living on the lamb with these two abducted young girls. The sign says Elmendorf, which is what we're looking for. We're looking for Peter Hoover. Peter Hoover is an elder in the community he may be the key to where Mike and the girls are located. I understand you to say it's okay to not pay attention to that judge. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. I'm about to go in and interview Chief Decker of the Gibson City Police Department. A newspaper article said something about a controversial church. The Heterites, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, there's like 265 of these Heterite colonies. And there's at least one Heterite colony in Minnesota that I'm interested in. The group that Michael Harry may have joined, and it's a colony called the Elmendorf Colony, just outside of Mountain Lake, Minnesota. Peter Hoover is a fellow who Michael Harry considers a friend. He seems to have become the de facto leader of the Elmendorf Colony. And wherever there's trouble, you'll find Peter Hoover in the middle of it. 
I believe we have to follow through on the Minnesota lead now. As you just saw, investigator Harold Kopis is on the hunt for two girls who were abducted by their father a year ago. Their mother, Michelle, is here today asking for her help. All clues lead to a religious group called the Hutterites, and in particular to one of their preachers, Peter Hoover. The children are not in a Hutterite community, but there has been contact with that group. Take a look as we go inside the Elmendorf compound where Peter and a small sect of Hutterites live. The sign says Elmendorf, which is what we're looking for. We're looking for Peter Hoover. Peter Hoover is an elder in the community, and he may be the key to where Mike and the girls are located. They raise turkeys in here, so I guess we're seeing houses for the, uh, where they raise their flock. The purpose of the interview is to get as much information as Peter Hoover knows about where Mike and the girls could be. We're totally isolated now. Peter here? Yeah. Can I speak to him, please? Oh, well, hello. Hello. Yes, this is Peter. Harold Copas, sir. Come right on in. Well, thank you. Uh, Jason, Jim and I are from the Sheriff's Department. You got a couple minutes we could just talk oh, to you? Oh, absolutely. Not a problem. If Michael Harry were somewhere right now, where would he go that he would be accepted? I am extremely positive he's not in the Hutterite colony. Okay. There's not even a question in my mind. Because if he would be anywhere with the Hutterite colony, he'd be here, and he's not here. So. And he hasn't been here in the last year? No, he's only been here once. The last I knew is that we heard that the social services were closing in, and that the mom was trying to, to curtail all rights to, for him to see the children or be with the children. And uh, he actually called me and uh, wondered what I would do in this uh, particular situation. And he told me at that time, that he is thinking of uh, maybe taking them to somewhere else, uh, that uh, she won't know where they're at so that they can't take her from her. Although it may sound uh, like a strange thing, I told him, well, if that's what you have to do, you'll have to do it. That's like, actually what I told him. So <laughs> for as strange as that may sound. Well, it, my jaw dropped. And I can imagine that from your perspective, all this would sound somewhat strange, but we would do it a million times. If we would feel that the law gets in the way of us following Christ, of course that's what we would do. Did I understand you to say it's okay to not pay attention to that judge? What I was saying is that, uh, of course, we obey the law wherever it does not conflict with our obedience to God. But I would say it's not up to me to make that decision, and it's not up to me to counsel them to hide or run. Well, I, I'm not sure that I exactly told them in those terms. I didn't tell them to try to run away from the law, but I just told them to do whatever you need to do. You know? Well, that's the same thing. That's just a play on words to me. No, you didn't counsel him to do that, but that was, in essence, you did the same thing. I implicated that's what, you know, yeah. that might be necessary. That's right. So that's, in essence, that's what you did. That's possibly true. The bottom line is, I guess, I can't count on you. And what I'm saying to you is we need your help. We need everyone as a community whether it's in your church or well, someone else. Well, I would look at it this way. If there's any possibility he might be around, I would say we'd be very happy to help with some kind of a mediation. I never actually heard 
uh, what uh, what course he decided to take. And if I would know where he was, I would be able to tell you. Did you say you would tell? I, I would suppose I would. If I would feel that you're a safe person to tell it to, I would tell you. I mean, it's it. But uh, if I would feel that you were in any way going to be harming him or the girl, then I would not tell. We just returned from meeting with the head of the church at the Elmendorf compound. The girls aren't there. Mike Harry's not there. I've asked Peter to do what's necessary to broker something with other communities and let's appeal to them to turn in and give us any information they can. We're really at Peter's mercy at this stage. Well, Harold, looking this man in the eye, do you have the sense that he knows where Michael is? Oh, he knows where he's at. It's just a question, is he going to give it up to us? Do, so you think he could reach him, talk to him right then, get some message to him, find him? I'm absolutely convinced. There's no yeah. problem if he'll just do it. Well, coming up, uh, Peter Hoover from the Hutterites is going to join us here on this stage. Uh, does Peter know where Michael is? And is he going to tell us what we need to know to bring these girls home? We're going to find out when we come back. I want to talk to you today about family, parenting, and most importantly, the children that are impacted within the family and by the parenting that you as moms and dads choose. Look, forming a family is not easy. There is tremendous stress. There's money pressure, time pressure. Sometimes it's overcrowded. And there can be a conflict of values. There's no question about it. And when you have disagreements, then it takes an emotional toll on everybody. And the situation can involve competing agendas between moms and dads. What you need to understand is that children have a unique but consistent ability of blaming themselves for what they see happening within the family dynamic. If they see mom and dad at odds, they tend to think it's their fault. It's difficult to work out your differences as moms and dads, but do it privately. Get help from your church or a local counselor. Peter? Your phone is held. Yes, yes it is. I'm quite certain that the letters that I sent out are somehow or another reaching my carry. I actually think that if the demands that are made would be reasonable enough, I think you might show up. Michelle's two daughters were abducted a year ago by their father, Michael. Now, Michael was last seen at a religious compound run by Hutterites, what some critics claim is a cult-like culture. Others recognize it as just a very sincere colony that's devoted to following Christ. Now, joining us now is Peter Hoover, uh, a leader in the Hutterite compound who has spoken to Michael in fact, he was the one who told Michael, if it was between God and the government, you have to make a choice. And if you need to run, then do what you have to do. Uh, fair characterization of your conversation with Michael? That sounds right. Let me just ask you straight up. Um, you know where Michael is, don't you? I have a general idea how to contact him, but I don't know exactly where he is. You can find him if you want to find him. True. Well, I'm not sure if I can, but I could uh, contact people that probably could. 
This is the mother of Molly and Allie. Uh, she is in immense and intense pain and anguish at having her children ripped from her life and hidden from her. Uh, is there anything that you want to say to her? Well, I would like to say this about it. I have not met you before, but I'm also a parent. And I can very well imagine that, of course, we want to see our children. I mean, that's a, it's an obvious thing. And if, if these were my children, I would certainly feel the same way. We would be very happy to see this thing come to some kind of a good and a peaceful uh, conclusion. Uh, I was under the impression, and you can correct me if you like, uh, that uh, the girls felt that when they were back to your house for a visitation... Uh, that they were under considerable uh, pressure, uh, that they should not, uh, like Molly, since she was baptized a couple of years ago, uh, that uh, she felt she was under pressure to uh, maybe not wear her brethren clothes and, uh, and uh, maybe put on jewelry and things of this nature, which she, she felt uncomfortable with. And uh, in the way I see it now is uh, if we could come up uh, with some alternatives now and uh, come up with some commitments... I wonder if maybe we couldn't uh, put it all back together. That's, that would be my desire. I'm going to have to take a break here, and I'm going to want to hear from you sure. when we, we come back about this. Um, you know, the question coming up, uh, can we, to use Peter's words, resolve this peacefully? Uh, what are Peter's demands? What are his thoughts? What are his conditions to give up the information that he knows? Uh, what I know is I'm not going away. Uh, I intend to find these girls, I intend to do it lawfully, I intend to do it peacefully, and I intend to let everybody uh, have a voice in what's going to happen here to the extent that I can influence these matters. We'll be right back. Michael Harry abducted his two daughters nearly a year ago. It was known that he was involved in a religious sect called the Hutterites. Peter Hoover is joining us today. He is a representative of the Hutterites and has talked to Michael and knows where he might be in general and what religious group he seems to be affiliated with. Let me ask you a question first, and then I have a few questions for you, Peter, if I may. Uh, did you pressure these girls? Did you cut their hair, make them wear jewelry, cast aside their religious beliefs and values to live in a more mainstream fashion? No, I did not. When they came to visit me, it, I had clothes for them. I had jewelry. Um, my mother would take them to the beauty shop to get their hair washed because we had had a problem with lice one time. So she'd take them there to get their hair washed and cleaned up. She left them off and just basically said whatever they need. The girls would sometimes come back and say, I got my hair cut. And I'd say, well, you know, you need to be ready if your dad notices because I, you know, I want him to know that it's your choice, not mine. Um, what do when, you want for these girls at this point? I want them to have the safety to make their own choice. Molly told me right before they disappeared, she said, Mom, I need an out. 
And I said, what do you mean? She says, I need to know that I can say I've changed my mind and I won't have to stay with my dad and see his anger. Peter, what I would like to do is get your help, you with me, to, to get me with Michael. Let me look these girls in the eye. Let me talk to Michael. I'm trying to find a way that we can, that, that we can broker this where we put the, ch- the children's best interest first and, and then make other decisions after that. Will well, you help us? Of course. Uh, the number one commitment that I can personally make is I would like to do everything that I possibly can as a human being uh, to try to get in touch with Mike and to try to present to him whatever we could come up with and uh, uh, to be a mediator, a peacemaker to the best of my uh, ability. That's one thing I will commit myself to doing. And now on, on the part of Michelle, I understand very well uh, what, she's, uh, what she's doing, how she's living and so on. And uh, I also feel that she is going to have to guarantee that uh, if these kids come out, uh, that uh, she will let them live the way they want to do it. Let me say, she doesn't have to guarantee anything. These are her children. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't owe an explanation to his church or to anyone else. Now... The, the truth, in fact, is that this is a woman of, of spiritual means, and that, that is absolutely where her heart is. But it is not the position uh, of Michael or the church to require her to guarantee anything about what she's going to do. It just so happens that I think they're very much aligned. What I'm saying is I want Michael and the girls to come out, sit down with you, certainly with me, with you, Harold, to protect whatever. And I consider that to be a safe platform to try to let reasoned minds figure out the best thing to happen here. Will you participate in that? I will uh, certainly participate. All right. All right, coming up. Imagine not seeing your children for 10 years, not one year, but for 10 years. Your three-year-old is now 13, your six-year-old is now driving, and your eight-year-old is graduating high school. But you missed it all. John Clark is living this nightmare. We're going to find out what happened and why his ex-wife is now wanted by the FBI. My ex-wife, Eileen, kidnapped my three kids 11 years ago. When the kids left, they were 7, 5, and 2. Today, Chandler is now 18, Hayden is 16, and Rebecca is 13. I don't want to leave this earth without having the opportunity to see them again. John has not seen his children in over 10 years. He calls it a living nightmare. I want you to take a look at what happened and why his ex-wife is now on the FBI's wanted list. Honey, Eileen. Eileen kidnapped my three kids 11 years ago. Hi. I met Eileen in 1985. I fell madly in love with her. A year later, we were married. We had three kids together, Chandler, Hayden, and Rebecca. When the children were born, our relationship began to change. 
Eileen experienced postpartum depression. She was totally unable to get out of bed to do the functions of a mother. The daddy dude and his ritual. Oh, please. We had no physical contact. This went on for months. Eileen was hanging out with a church group from South Africa, and they were guiding her. The closer she got with this religious group, the further and further away that we got. The last time I saw my kids was on February 10th, 1995. It was early in the morning. The kids were around the breakfast table. I kissed my three kids on the head, and I went to work. Bye, I came home that evening, and she was gone. Everything was gone. Birth certificates were missing, diamond rings. She took all the money out of the accounts, and I was bankrupt. I had no idea where she was. And at the time, the police wouldn't help me find her anyway. They said they couldn't do anything. She had a right to do whatever she wanted. I spent the first night calling friends, relatives, and most of the time I spent talking with her parents, trying to figure out if they knew exactly where she went. And they told me no. I didn't sleep for days. I would say the lowest moment of my life. Not only had I failed at marriage, my kids were gone. Well, I immediately started to look for my kids. The first thing I did when she took off, I found the car at the airport, and I found the parking stub. It said that the car was parked about 8 o'clock in the morning. So I had some pictures with me, and the baggage guys at Southwest Airlines told me they helped her unload the bags. What I put together was, when Eileen left on that Friday, she'd stayed the night with her friend Susan in Rancho Santa Fe, California. Under advisement of attorney, we hired a process server, mailed out divorce papers, and the process server did arrive at the house. He did see Eileen inside the house. When he did visually see her, that she went behind a wall. One day out of the blue, I received a very threatening phone call. The gentleman announced himself on the phone as Abraham. He told me that my kids were children of God, and that if I continued to look for my kids, the great harm would come to my parents and myself. We've hired private investigators. I've worked with four different FBI agents. I spent $10,000 on attorney's fees. It's like she dropped off the planet, totally disappeared. When the kids left, they were seven, five, and two. Today, Chandler is now 18. Hayden is 16. And Rebecca is 13. I wonder where they are, how they're getting along. Are they safe? I believe that Eileen's parents know where my kids are. Her parents claim it they've never seen or talked to her. Two years later, I got a divorce by default. I got remarried in 1998 to Jeanette. John has never given up hope. His prayer on a daily basis is that he be connected with his children again. He's had almost 11 years of loss. He's had 33 birthday parties that he hasn't been able to be a part of. My greatest fear is I'll never see my kids again. I don't want to leave this earth without having the opportunity to see him again. I just truly hope they, they don't think I'm dead. Bye. Bye. <laughs> now, a year ago, her signature showed up on a court document, correct? A little over a year ago. That's correct. And there's an attorney on there as well. The document was to waive her right to appear so something could be adjudicated. Does that mean there's an attorney out there that knows where she is? Well, according to, uh, according to my agent that I work with at the FBI, uh, they interviewed the attorney. The attorney was, uh, uh, told the FBI that he was never directly in contact with Eileen 
um, that he was um, engaged by a family member, uh, the parents. So uh, he is telling the FBI that he has not been in contact or does not know her whereabouts. But if her parents hired him, then they have to have been in contact with her. Well, I would agree with that totally. All right. We've got to take a break. When we come back, John confronts his ex-wife's parents. How much do they know? Have they been aiding and abetting his ex? Now, John and a private investigator knock on their door for answers. We're going to find out what happened when we come back. I think Eileen's parents know where their daughter is. I'm a little apprehensive to walk up there, but I know it needs to be done. Hello? DrPhil.com brought to you in part by... Well, Sarah came in to have her new prescription filled, and I saw that she could have a potential reaction. I called her doctor and found an alternative. The Medicine Shop Pharmacy, caring beyond prescriptions. Travel consideration provided by... Go beyond ordinary powder. New Gold Bond Ultimate Comfort Powder. Ultimate protection, silky smooth skin. Gold Bond Ultimate Comfort Powder. Slip into ultimate comfort. John Clark's ex-wife Eileen abducted their three children over 10 years ago. Now, he believes that her parents know exactly where she is and how to get in touch with her. So John, along with his private investigator, made a house call to Eileen's parents. Marion and Dorothy have not seen me for a little over 11 years. I'm a little apprehensive to walk up there, but I know it needs to be done. I'm going to have a copy of a waiver of appearance form where Eileen Clark signed this form waiving her appearance in federal court. And this document is allegedly is her legal signature. I think Eileen's parents know where their daughter is. Hello? Hey, Mr. Sams, how you doing, sir? I'm an investigator. Yes, sir. We've been trying to find Eileen, and our best lead we have is a document that was signed by her. And uh, do you have any idea how this document got signed? When's the last time you had contact with her? Where did she call from? We don't know. Well, what is the, the F caller ID? Yeah. This one is a waiver of appearance that she that signed. Like that. It does look like her signature, doesn't it? Yes. That's I remember. Have you heard from her? Well, yeah, I said I got a call a couple of months ago. Do you know the number? Or is there a way we can help? Would you give us access to your phone records? No. You won't? I don't keep any records. It's been 11 years, Marin. She calls. She calls? Where did she call from? We really want to help Mr. Clark and help you see your grandchildren. I don't know whether she'd be willing to uh, come in or not. I don't know. Well, why don't we give her the opportunity to do that? How's your dad? They're fine. Is your mom all right? They're fine. They're both fine. Are you married yet? Yes, I am. Well, I figured by now. You got any kids? No. No. Is she in any kind of a group or organization that, as far as you know? Or as far she... as I know, she's not. Uh... Do you think she's in the country or do you think she's out of the country? I don't know. I can't tell. How about mail? Have you gotten any mail from her? Nothing? Do you think I could ask your wife to come out and talk to her? So we're really, we're really concerned. It's been 11 years since 
Mr. Clark has seen the children. It's just, I mean, I don't... 95. 95. How come you haven't helped anybody find her? I mean, you're say, you act like you all are concerned, but you don't do anything about it. You don't even call me. You don't talk to me, you don't do anything. All I get is uh, you guys hiring attorneys. That wasn't me, that's the state of New Mexico. That's not John Clark. It just seems like the decent thing to do to help us find her. At least put us in some kind of contact to know the kids are safe. I mean, you, I can't even imagine not seeing my grandchildren, and I have a grandson. You haven't seen him in 11 years? I'm sorry, I can't do much more help. Well, can I call you if I have any? And if I have any questions, and you can, can I give you a call? Is that okay? I'd rather you wouldn't. I mean, it would seem like a time for reconciliation, a time to, to bring this back yeah. together. But have you got a card or something? Yes, I do. Maybe Mrs. Uh, Sams would like to say hello to John? No, I don't think so. She's going to have to have an operation. Well, I'm sorry about that. That would be a good time to see your daughter and her grandchildren. This is not okay. It's not okay for you, not okay for your wife, and it's certainly not okay for John. There's a warrant out, and you know, she is a fugitive. Truth is sometimes yeah. hard, and maybe you just don't want to tell us, but it seemed like you would have some idea of, I mean, is she in the country at least? She's had a better experience. Than, uh, I've had a very bitter experience, Mary. Well, take care of yourself. He lied. She's going to get on the phone now and call her. He knows he's broken the law. That's Harvard a fugitive. See, I was getting a little angry. He spent more time asking me direct questions about how my parents were than he was about dealing with the issue at hand. We just hope that the American people out there are going to see her on Dr. Phil and that we'll have more leads and we'll be able to put an end to this. On the right side of your screen at home, this is what Chandler would look like today. This is an age progression technology. It says what he's most likely to look like today. This is based on facial structure and ratios. Okay, let's have Hayden. All right, this is how Hayden would look uh, today. So please, if you're at home, study that. And Rebecca. And... Um, We'll have these on our website. You can go to drphil.com. You can call us here. The, the number is on the website. You can go to drphil.com and give us an alert. Uh, anything you know. And please, we, we don't want, you know, prank leads and calls. Give us something that you truly believe is, is a lead, and we'll do what we can to try to connect you up with these kids. We'll be right back. Next Tuesday, the search for Molly and Aline continues. The dramatic, heart-stopping rescue. We have to take our chances crossing the border. As Dr. Phil goes face-to-face with the father who took them. She wants him to prosecute Why he ran, how he ran. I'm telling you, I'm not going to tell you. My preference would be for the camera to be turned off. I am choosing to videotape this. Don't miss the anatomy of an abduction. Next Tuesday. thank all my guests today and a special thanks to Harold Kopis and his company Investigative Solutions. If you have any information on either Michael Harry and his two daughters uh, or Eileen Clark and their three children, please contact Investigative Solutions at 770-220-1912 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children 
at the 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. You'll find these numbers on our website along with a list of missing persons resources. Thanks for being here today. So long. Thank you. Thank you.